Hi again, everybody. John Porteous of the Lovells Township Historical Society here, and you're listening to the Backcast Podcast. Hey, happy Earth Day. Happy almost trout opener. And it's time to kick off our 2021 uh, museum display, Unsung Heroes of the Asable. Richard Perry and I will sit down today with uh, two of those heroes, Ann Miller and Dorothy Schramm, the co-founders of Fly Girls, and hear about their exploits and the number of lives they've touched through their experience. Uh, it's a great, great episode, and I think you're going to enjoy it. So here we go. We are joined by Ann Miller and Dorothy Schramm today. We have a lot of uh, uh, impact in our fly fishing world and, and matters of conservation. And uh, we're delighted to have you ladies with us today. Good morning. Good morning. I think, you know, as always, why don't we just kick it off with, uh, I'll let you just kind of tell our listeners a little bit about yourselves, um, what your what your backgrounds are, and, and how, how you got involved with, uh, with fishing and fly angling. Andy, you go start? first, Dorothy. <laughs> oh, Dorothy goes first. Okay. okay. Sure. Um, I was a young uh, married adult living in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, and uh, I was inspired by a writer, who uh, outdoor writer, who wrote about fly fishing. And at the age of 10, I had been handed a fly rod by my father, and he said, this is not always the best way to fish, but it's the most fun way. And I was already well established as a, a fly fishing buddy with my dad, but being a young mother and busy, uh, you don't really get to fish too much. And boy, I was, uh, I was missing it. And I um, took a community education course in fly tying and I met a few people that were willing to help me but back then they didn't have a lot of product for women waders and vests and things like that and so I had to uh, um, fend for myself regarding that and um, I joined a club in St. Paul Minnesota and they didn't allow women in the club, but the guys were really very helpful. And I said, I don't want to disturb your all-male club. I just want to know where to, where to fish because I was fairly new to the area. And they literally fell all over me and helped me. And pretty soon someone handed me a membership application. And I was exposed to a tremendous amount of knowledge um, one person had a rod building shop and I w- ended up sewing bags for a shop and delivering in there. And, um, he said, well, you got to build a rod. And I did. And I absolutely loved it. My, um, college art education was three dimensional, a lot of silversmithing, three dimensional art things. And, uh, those skills transported to my rod building, shaping of handles, shaping of feet on guides, and and just lots of things. But basically, joining clubs is what got me exposed to a lot of fishing and a lot of different types of fly fishing. And um, I loved it all, and I still love it all. And um, I guess that's, I'll turn it over to Ann because that's how I got exposed. Nice. The um, I I will say I think it's pretty cool that um, I think at that point in time, uh, ladies may not have always been uh, received as well as you um, in, in in that in that realm. And I think it's cool that those guys uh, stepped out of their stereotype and and welcomed you and, and helped educate you. It, it was um, it was really wonderful, and I'm thankful every day for every one of them. That's awesome. 
So where'd you fish there in St. Paul? Was it down in the park, or did you have some rivers in the area? My daughter lives in St. Paul, and she, you know. Well, in the five-county metro area of St. Paul, there is over 250 lakes and the confluence of three major rivers. So you And the lakes are managed well for different types of fish. There's musky lakes and trout lakes and panfish lakes and mixes of lakes. And, um, again, my best suggestion is there for her to look up the St. Paul Fly Tires Club or the Lou Jewett um, Fly Fishers. Um, Trout Unlimited of the Twin City is strong and active. And she will get help. But I fished the Metro Fishery, which is quite amazing because on your back cast, you can catch <laughs> um, a lot of things, people on bicycles, people walking, um, people that are up to no good. Uh, but the fishery is fantastic. And I will used to leave my job. And I'd look up at the freeways and the overpasses, and if it was at a standstill, I could drive about three or four blocks in any direction and be on a lake for 45 minutes. The freeways would clear, and I could drive home at a a much faster rate than if I just sat there on the freeway and I got the fish. We had a heck of a lot more fun, too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. The fishing, you miss the crowds. Well, Ann, tell tell us a little bit about um, about yourself, your background, and perhaps how you came to uh, meet Dorothy. Sure. Um, so, we as a, a family grew up fishing. Uh, it was always sort of a it was a you know go to a nearby lake, rent a rowboat. And my dad had the worst equipment for everything. Uh, And we had these horrible cane poles, and you could always find last year's dried-up worm at the end of it. And, I don't, you know, we never replaced any of the the monofilament or anything. But, you know, it just goes to show you you, it works. You don't really need all this expensive gear. And uh, my mom would just sit in the back and hand out, peanut butter sandwiches or bologna sandwiches. And we made a a great picnic out of it. It was fun. And there were six of us in the rowboat. I don't know how we didn't all fall in. But my older brother, um, you know, he was the the favorite of, of a particular aunt and uncle who had a cottage on a lake, had spin rods, had a motorboat, and, and he got exposed to you know, what it was like to fish with real gear. And I was always really jealous and, you know, I wanted one of those Zedcos. And so when I got into college, I um, I had a few summers at, a, at the University of Michigan Biology Station and I got introduced to fly fishing there and some friends took me out and um, drained a hex hatch and showed me how to roll cast. Um, and then just left me in a spot, and they disappeared for the evening. And, and of course, I didn't listen because that's the way I am. And um, they said, don't cast any further than this, and don't do a back cast. Don't just be careful, and and you can go in over your head. So I think I did all of those things. And, um, you know, once I heard the fish start feeding, I got very excited and, um, you know, hooked the other side of the bank and just made a mess of my line. And um, But then I got to experience the hatch um, and actually watch it and see all these hex on the water and fish feeding. And I, and I right then and there just decided I had to come back and really learn how to fly fish. So um, I fiddled around with it a little bit once I got married, but didn't really have any gear. And I was able to convince my husband that this was something we should take up together. And we went uh, to the L.L. Bean Fly Fishing School. And at that time, there were really three schools you could go to. One was L.L. Bean, one was Orvis, 
and one was the Joan Wolf School, and they were all out east, you know, so we, we got on a train, and we made quite an adventure of it, and it didn't really stick with Ken, but it really did with me, and when I was a young mom, um, I got a graduate degree in biology, and I was pretty frustrated um, from, you know, having been really immersed and you know, into science and all kinds of data analysis and microscopes and whatnot. And then suddenly being a mom with two, you know, babies, it was, it was a little like now what? So I, after I had gone to the fly fishing school, the instructor there who was Dave Whitlock, he says, you owe it to yourself to um, give back to conservation and to the sport become a member of the Federation of Fly Fishers and Trout Unlimited. And so at that time, that would have been in 1986, maybe. And I've been a member ever since. And uh, I would get the newsletters and I would see what everybody in the area was doing. And the Great Lakes Council of the FFF had all kinds of really fun uh, fishing outings and conclaves and schools and and I just really wanted to meet some people and hopefully get better at fly fishing and um, they needed someone uh, to to be a, the editor of their newsletter and I thought well, that's something I could do that sounds fun and so I got in touch with um, probably Jim Schramm and I came up to a steelhead event and I met Dorothy and um, her daughter and um, it was kind of overwhelming and I didn't know anybody there and it was it had been a long time since I was anywhere where I just kind of showed up like at a party and you don't know anybody but um, what a great group of people and everyone was very welcoming and Really, kind of the rest is history. We, Dorothy and I became friends, and she was a great mentor, and all kinds of people helped me to improve my skills. And I went on to join another local club, where which was all men, and um, one of those guys sort of took me under his wing, and um, and eventually they all kind of warmed up to me and, you know, just because I was a woman didn't mean I wanted to come in and change everything. But um, honestly, you know, for those that are listening, if you're thinking about joining a club, it's one of the best ways that you can get better and improve your skills and make friends and uh, really take that learning curve and and really uh, lower that steep, you know, the the hard part of it where we would go to take on something – all new that we're trying to learn. So, um, so yeah. And then Dorothy and I, there's there's probably a lot we'll talk about that we did together. But um, we really shared a vision about women in fly fishing. And at the time, there really there just weren't that many of us out there. And we wanted to do something to change that. And so we did. That's awesome. That's awesome. And for our listeners, there's just a, a boatload more uh, that we'll talk about. But um, Dorothy, did I understand it, at one point, um, just because of equipment um, available in the marketplace, that you kind of tailored your own vest? <clears throat> yeah, I did. I was already involved in starting to be involved in a few organizations in the Twin Cities area. And um, I had gotten into steelheading. Um, I I really wanted to, I went to a seminar and I said, this has got to be it for me. And I only owned a five-weight rod, but I drove up to the Minnesota North Shore and slept in my car all night and got up at dawn to fish. But I realized um, I, I, I didn't have a vest and I, I really wanted one. And so I designed one for myself, and people were pretty Im- impressed with it. And I made a couple of them for auctions. But 
it had to be short enough for me. I didn't. the The pockets were designed so if you put a, a spool of tippet in it, it had a, a little hole in the bottom of the pocket that you could just stick the leader tip out and just unroll it while it sat in your pocket, and then you cut it off a few. So just a few inches stuck out. And um, I had a great big pocket across the back like the bird hunting things did. And it also had a hood because on the North Shore um, rivers, the hood, uh, you'd fish your way all the way down and you'd end up at Lake Superior. And it was usually when the wind started to pick up. And I, my hood even was designed so when it was flipped up, it, w- it was really wide so you could still have a very wide angle of view, but you were well protected. And I had a snap on the back that just with a tug, I could get my net out. Um, I put a lot of features into it where everything on the front of the vest was quite smooth and you could reach your hand through a slit and all the pockets and everything were more on the inside because once you hook a fish like that and it takes off, you don't want to look like a Christmas tree. But I, I had just had a lot of fun with that vest, and I never went into or tried to sell production or push it, but I did have a wonderful conversation with a sales rep from um, Patagonia one time, and I schooled her on the reasons of why I did what I did with my vest, and she was really thankful for the input, and hopefully it might have had some kind of effect on But I also couldn't get a decent raincoat. And I knew someone that was a parachute rigger that made uh, parachutes and had materials that um, for the military, and they gave me some <laughs> super material, but it was easy to think. And I also had to make my own raincoat. And uh, so I was kind of a do-it-yourselfer, and it got me through until they started making um, equip, uh, more clothing for women. That sounds like such an intelligent design. Are you still using it? Well, uh, no, I don't. I've gone to a chest pack, and um, but I I don't use it. I still have it. Um, I like I said, I I made a couple of them and put them in auctions, and people paid as much as five hundred dollars for the vest. You know, they just wanted that that vest. <laughs> So, it sounds like I, you had a I lot of know. good ideas that they've incorporated into the, uh, you know, the vest they're selling now, the little tippet hole, and, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, I've seen vests in the shops that, you know, have that feature. The, um, so, we're, where are we, early 80s, mid 80s, and you guys are have met each other, you're in, in sharing your passion and um, going out to fly shops and te- uh, teaching, I guess, is kind of the well, This would right actually, now. John, this would be probably more the early 90s uh, okay. when, when we met. Gotcha. Yeah, it, it, it would be the very early 90s or very late 80s and um, fly shops were more um, they wanted to have classes for women and um, they hired Ann and I uh, different organizations and stuff they hired us to teach for them and every time we had a class the women at the end of it we you know given their well wishes and and they said well, we don't just want uh, this class. We want more. In fact, could you do a week-long class? <laughs> it was, a, you know, not real practical, but the women wanted more. And after we, um, we sent out, we kept class lists, and we sent out surveys. And from the surveys found um, that the women, what they wanted was to learn more they wanted to meet other women who fly fished and have some outings organized for them in different places, you know, that they could go to other places. And um, so that was uh, fairly easy to do. And we had some women 
who was were coming to some of the club meetings at places we were, and we got some people that were willing to um, be incorporators. And on a very, very snowy day in, I think, February of 1996, we met at Ann Miller's home in Stevensville and um, started Fly Girls. And um, it's it's really taken off. It's been solid and um, a re- it was needed in this area. When I came to Michigan to fish a lot from Minnesota, I'd come over here to fish. I There's only two other women I would ever see on the stream. And now if a boat comes down the Pier Marquette River, about every third boat has a woman in it. And it's really heartening to, to see that. That's very cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. both my daughters um, have, have come to enjoy fly fishing a lot. And it's just, it, it, I guess, I only have two daughters, so just it was like, it was cool that they, you know, wanted to go out with Pops and see what, see what it was all about. And uh, still as adults, they enjoy it quite a bit. I I would just add a little bit to that. So um, Dorothy and I had, we had a lot of energy and we had a lot (laughs) of ideas and we executed a lot of those. I mean, we didn't just, we weren't dreamers. We really took action. And um, I think even it's hard to keep track of what came in what order, but at one point we just decided to organize a big fly fishing school for 50 women and we had it all mapped out. You know, people would go to stations, learn casting, learn knots, learn how to tie a fly, learn about insects, learn how to read a river and, and feed them lunch. And, we had hundreds of women sign up for it. And and I don't even remember now how we advertised all of it. And so we, we did the first school and then we did a a second school later that summer and, um, you know, had another 50 women sign up. And so, I mean, all of a sudden it was just, it was on fire, and then we, and then as Dorothy said, we taught at a lot of different fly shops and uh, becoming an outdoor woman uh, workshop. We did many of those, and you know, some of the breast cancer survivor. Uh, those have gone by different names. Most recently, now we uh, casting for recovery. We're, we've become active with that, and so I think the 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 fly fishing shops are doing fewer women's schools, but there are more resources for the women now. And a lot of them just kind of connect with fly girls. And we still do, or at least before COVID, we were still doing uh, schools oftentimes, you know, an entire weekend, but in people's busy lives, we've learned that most women now can just, commit to a single day so we'll do just a a Saturday and, and meet in the park and and try to get someone just started with it and then maybe connect them with um, someone else in the club who will kind of bring them along but uh, I would say over the years I think Dorothy and I we've tried to figure this out but we know we've had well over 1500 women through the years in schools and in fly girls, and it's probably even more, but um, that's a conservative estimate, I would say. That's awesome. Well, and you know, you, you gently touched on it, but I, and obviously <laughs> through the numbers, you've impacted people. But you, you've had some, some pretty significant impacts on uh, other organizations as well. The, uh, I believe the Girl Scouts. Um, yeah, yeah no, I can speak about the Girl Scouts. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Okay. We had um, 
the Girl Scout Council in um, near Flint, just outside of Flint, might have been in Owasso, and they um, have a camp up in Traverse City, and it was um, an old, uh, the big meat packers, I can't come up with their name, it was a, a house on three lakes, it was just uh, homes, guest homes, very high-end on uh, people used to have to take the train to come up there to fish and everything, but it's turned into a Girl Scout camp. And they wanted to do an event um, for um, girls, and they were called Wider Opportunities, and they were themed events. And they wanted to do, uh, were considering doing a fly fishing event. And then, so Ann and I and some of the board members of Fly Girls uh, made a proposal of what we could do. And it, it was a 10-day event, and women, uh, there was 14 women and girls from all over the world that came to uh, Michigan, and we put on a, a program where they learned <clears throat> everything and described previously about what we would do in the school. But they also got to build a rod, and then they got to explore some um, careers that were tied to uh, the outdoors and the fishing world and the ecology of everything. And it, it was extremely successful. Um, we also worked with a group from central Michigan called Eagle Village. And it was for kids that had been um, were, that were failing in some way that maybe have gotten into some kind of trouble. And it was a residential facility, and they not only um, treated and worked with the kids, but if you were there, you were there for a full year. And a major tackle company provided a lot of equipment for them, and um, fly girls would go to there and teach. And people donated their private estates with different like five different lakes on them that we could take these girls to and fly fish and um it it gave the girls some confidence in themselves they were very slow to warm up to it but the day that we put them in waders it it just was like it was very funny that it was not the rod. It was not the flies. It was the waders and walking into the water and and how the water pushes against you. And all of a sudden, you're really a part of something different. And you're having lots of fun trying to fool the fish. But um, we did work with uh, youth organizations and um, uh, it, it was just it was important to us. And we had a lot of people that cared about that. And was willing to do to do that. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. In, in a lot of us, yeah, a special reward working with at-risk children and watching a you know a little metamorphosis take place. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of that with with those kind of youth. I mean, a lot of it is is trust in, you know, maybe in their lives, they haven't been able to trust adults. And um, it, we made progress with a lot of them. And um, it, it was very gratifying. And uh, I think we, we left them all with fly boxes and um, and some sort of equipment so that, you know, at some point, hopefully they'll be able to come back to that in, in their adult lives, which you know, they would be adults by now and um, very neat, very special. Do you ever hear back from any of those people? I mean, do, do they get in touch with you? You know, it's well, all one a big privacy. They wouldn't be able to, to do that, but um, we did stay in touch with Eagle Village for quite a while. Um, and I, I don't... I don't know if there's still an establishment. Do you know that, Dorothy? Um, I'm not sure how they're operating and what they're doing, but I did I did receive um, one of a women that joined the Fly Girls, and she came to an event, and she said, I'm a counselor at a high school. And she said, the most difficult girl that I ever worked with um, 
after she came back from her treatment, she came back to school and she said, I had an appointment with her and she just came in and she was just oozing with the fact that she had learned how to fly fish. And the Hmm. woman said, I had to meet fly girls and see who they are that did this for this girl. And there is another young woman, a young woman that came to the Girl Scout outing. And I believe she was from Idaho. And she came to a Federation of Fly Fishers event. Um, She was still, uh, I think, in high school. And she was a young Vietnamese girl that maybe had been um, adopted. I'm not sure what, but this was... This was through the Girl Scouting, and she, uh, her name was Cam. Her, her first name was Cam, and I'm groping for her last name. But she came to an event where they were doing recognition. The uh, Federation of Fly Fishers had a big recognition banquet, and Joan Wolf came on stage, and she was wanted to give a presentation, and she invited a young woman up out of the audience. Now, Cam only had, uh, she was missing a hand, uh, I think, from birth. And so she only had one hand, and she took to fly fishing and accommodated herself and was was really getting involved in it. And somehow Joan Wolf became aware of her. But Joan Wolf invited Cam to come up on stage, and she said, <clears throat> I get to you get to a certain age where you know that you can turn everything over to another generation. And it was so beautiful. Joan Wolf took her vest off and gave her vest to Cam. Mm-hmm. And it was uh it was quite a moment. I mean, it was quite a moment, but uh then it came <clears throat> it came out of what fly girls have done. Well, so we did hear from we do we do hear from people from time to time. Hmm. That's fantastic. Well, you know, I work up at Fuller's, and occasionally, you know, some of your fly girls they they come and they come to fish there, and I'm always impressed with. Uh, you know, they're just enthusiastic. I mean, they want to be there, they want to fish. It's you know, it's just transparent. It comes right through. So uh, I think you guys are doing have done and are continuing to do a really good job with these efforts. The labor of love. <laughs> there you go. There you it go. it really is, and uh, I I I would like to comment on something. I'm um, underneath my high school yearbook. It said uh, the the quote for me was a happy go lucky girl who's always in for fun. Well. I have never had so much fun. I just, I just can't imagine having more fun than being with that many people who love to fish. Also, living in Michigan, where the statistics on the numbers of waters and the kind of waters and the people that are caring for them, but it. Ann Miller um, was the the common sense organizer, okay, Dorothy, you get back on track here, person. <laughs> and and I was, I, I look at it like Ann did the most work, and I, Ann, did I have the most fun? I, I don't know. I almost feel <laughs> guilty about it, <laughs> but it sure is a lot well, of fun. I think, I think we both did a lot of work, and um it's always been fun, and if it's never, if it wasn't going to be fun, we weren't going to do it. So, I don't think we've ever not had a lot of laughs and just a lot of pride in in everything that that's come out of Fly Girls, and and you know, really kind of oozed into a lot of other things as well um, as a result. And um, you know, in in <laughs> Talking a little bit of the details on our organization on that February day snowstorm, literally in in '96, 
we said right then and there, we didn't want to be bogged down with a lot of what a lot of groups get wrapped up in, you know, well, who's going to be, she's been the president for this long, or she's this and she's that, and dues, who's going to collect those, and who's going to do this? And so he said, let's just not have any meetings. Let's just fish. And we've mm-hmm. really tried to stick to that. And, of course, you know, you the board does have to meet. And uh, we used to just meet once a year and plan our whole year out. It's like, okay. And then we would, people would volunteer and say, well, you're going to organize the event at Fuller's and you'll organize the Steelhead event and you'll do the Muskegon River trout outing. And, and it worked great. But then, you know, we got pretty busy and things like Eagle Village would come up or, you know, maybe uh, Task for Recovery and we need more volunteers. And so we had to have two board meetings in here. Um, and no, of course, with COVID, we We've all taken on virtual meetings, which has helped a lot in in that regard, because um, we come from all over the, the the state. In fact, all over the Midwest, and um, so there is a little organization, but we don't we don't really get wrapped up with meetings, and um, it's been I think attributed a lot to our success. And um, it's there aren't any egos involved. It's just about how can we meet each other and, and find um, fun ways to, to get on the rivers. I like that. It, 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 do I understand correctly that um, uh, any funds that are raised by the Fly Girls are distributed to other cold water groups? That is true. So we, we keep some money to keep our group functional so we have a website net of operational yeah excuse me no i i'm I'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you oh okay so we have it we do have to keep some funding for um you know basic operations but the money that we raise we like to give out to other organizations that um, oftentimes are conservation-related because we don't really have the materials, you know, the shovels and um, trailers and, and, and whatnot to go out and build bunker structures. Um, and we just said, let's support those groups that can do that and that we benefit from. So, um, yes, we do give to a number of um conservation groups and some that are also involved in uh, education. Um, we've, we've contributed uh, for many, many years to uh, Casting for Recovery, which is a group that provides a fly fishing retreat weekend free of charge to women that have, have or are recovering from breast cancer. And uh, we've been doing that for many years, and and now there is a there is a group in in Michigan that um, has it, it. There was one before, and then it kind of had some issues, and now it's back again. But in working with that group, it's uh, you you can have women that are in their 30s to you know into their 80s, uh, and. For some of them, you know, we've met women that are fully recovered and uh, have a new lease on life and, and uh, have really taken up fly fishing. And then um, we've also had women in the class that, you know, were terminal. And it was like, this is something I want to do, and I, I'm going to keep living my life, even if it only means I have two more months. So um, it's very humbling and... Um, I don't want to get cheery with that, but um, it's a, it's an amazing group. And um, but yeah, so we we support uh, lots of places, um, primarily with with conservation and education. That's awesome. And I think what would be um, uh, something, if I can add, would be important is that um, Fly Girls has a, a single gender purpose but an open membership 
and we have, it's a very diverse group, and we have, it's open to everyone that wants to help us with our mission. And um, we welcome support from from everyone. It's it's about fishing because fishing is going to tie women back to a natural world. It's going to allow them to use the instincts that they were born with that they use for their motherhood and throughout their lives. Uh, they can tune into the river in a riverine and a, a aquatic situation just amazingly well. And I kind of have viewed myself as a bit of a teacher, but it's funny. I learn the things that I have learned. I get the best questions from beginners. And if you can relax as a teacher, you're going to learn an awful lot <laughs> From your from your students, so it's a two way street. But um, the women, a lot of women, the age that they joined at Fly Girls, they were their children were grown, have flew the coop, and they wanted something for themselves. But they, you know, fly fishing is um, it's a hunt, it's a stock, it doesn't it's doesn't have to be a kill, you know, it can be a kill, it doesn't have to be a kill, and it's an amazing puzzle. The, the aquatic realm is is quite a puzzle, and um, figuring out that puzzle and letting that habitat reveal itself to the women is, is a real connection, and they, they feel a lot of comfort in that, and... Um, Bottom line, if that's what happens, I, I think we've had a lot of success. That's awesome. If, if people are listening and they're interested um, in, in getting involved with the group, is there a website or something of that order that uh, folks can reach out to you? Yes, there is. It's uh, flygirls.ws. Think of WS standing for website. Um, okay. And um, there's a contact place there. Our um, email is info at flygirls.ws. And they can, um, you know, connect with us that way. And with the, you know, much of last well, really all of last year, our events had to be canceled due to COVID, but we are cautiously optimistic that um, we will be having some fishing events this year um, using precautions when when we're gathered socially, but um, fly fishing, you kind of want to be socially distanced on the river anyway. So um, we're we're hoping to uh, be able to, to see each other this year and uh, we have a, a spring steelhead event coming up that has a couple openings that's held at a, a lodging that actually has a private bath and bedroom for everyone. So um, uh, we're hoping that that will uh, be filled here in April. So and that we, and we have a calendar of events on there and uh, people to connect to to uh, sign up for that. That's awesome. I hope I, ho- I hope we're able to uh, to spark some interest and in, and in, in encourage some of our listeners to uh, to reach out and get involved with you. That's, that's awesome. Um, let's real quick before we wrap up. Um, <laughs> to your to your earlier point. When you're, and I'll I'll ask this of both or each of you, um, for some for someone that's that's new new to angling, or um, just in that uh, getting uh, sponge phase, if you will, of, of knowledge absorption, uh, any tips, tricks, thoughts that that you would share? 
Wow. Well, there's so much to fly fishing that um, you can become just enamored of any one aspect of it. You know, for some of us, it might be the science of the river. For some people, it might be the casting and the and the joy that that provides just in just in making a nice, perfect cast right where you want it to go in the right distance without a drag. Some people, I know people that love fly tying more than they like fly fishing. You know, that that is, those are all different things. And I feel like you often will gravitate to one aspect of it and then you may grow into other parts of it later on as maybe you... Um, become proficient in one of those areas. And um, I think, you know, for tips, it's like don't be afraid to reach out and get help, which is why I like it's I encourage people to become part of an organization to help with that. I, I realize some people might be um, more of a loner, and but um, having a friend to help you along and get you over an obstacle that maybe you can't figure out on your own. Um, And also, you know, you can enjoy it at so many different levels. I mean, you don't, you don't have to be an expert at it to to go out and sit on the bank of the river and and catch a nice little trout. Um, They're just, it's enjoyable on so many levels. And, you know, just be happy with, you know, however you want to enjoy it, I guess. (laughs) Dorothy can probably um, add to that. I am kind of summed it up and hit hit the important keynote things. I would add to that that um, don't, and and Ann did say this, but don't be afraid to ask for help. And I would encourage the people to learn to laugh at yourself because if there's anything um, our great creator said after the human beings started hanging out on earth, he said, wow, these people are taking themselves way, way too seriously. They... And, and so, so we wouldn't take ourselves too seriously. He gave us fly fishing. <laughs> so you've got to be able to laugh at yourself. You've got to be able to keep it fun. And um, it, it's it's so in, encompassing. I, I don't. You're not just going to the river. You're looking around, you get out, you look at the grill of your car, if you're parked by a bridge, you look in the spider's web. It's a, it's a treasure hunt. And right. um, sometimes I've come to refer to, people ask me one time, how come you don't say you, you caught a fish? Because I would say, refer to the process as contacting fish. Yeah, I don't feel that I need to catch it and bring it to myself. Um, it's it's just being there and going through the motions and and letting the river give yourself give you the lessons if you can relax enough and um keep it fun nice, <laughs> nice. well you you've kept it fun for us i i really appreciate um <laughs> you guys taking time out of your morning and um just not only that but just for everything that you've done for the sport of fly fishing and for cold water conservation, the, uh, this will be a um, an episode that transitions us from our hot stove uh, into the trout season. So this will be uh, you're listening to us the the week before uh, trout opener, and um, we'll <laughs> well a little forward looking. We're I'm I'm hopeful that. As uh, before, we get to season close, we'll have some more sense of normality and uh, be able to pursue our uh, 
our, our gatherings and such. So, again, sincere thanks for everything you do um, and continue to do, and and for taking time to speak with Richard and I today. Rich? Absolutely. Thank you for not just the call, but for participating in the uh, the exhibit this year. I, both are featured as uh, unsung heroes, and I think that applies eminently for you all. Thank you for the invitation. It's been a real pleasure and um, good to connect with you, Dorothy. Yeah, it's um, very, very enjoyable, and I, I appreciate the work that um, you gentlemen are are doing and uh, how important that is, too, and I look forward to um, working with you in the future. Well, and... It, it, as time and circumstance allow, um, we'll look forward to seeing you uh, at the museum. Or yes, the please let us know when. Uh, please let us know when you'll be open again. Oh, good point. Um, in in this hopefully coming out of COVID situation, we're going to go ahead and open on Saturdays. And eleven to three. Eleven to three. Um, and then we'll also uh, take select appointments. Well, we'll be open by appointment. So if you're in the area, just give us a call, and we'll get the place opened up, and you can go in and visit and look at it. And if you want to bring in, you know, guests, that's perfectly, you know, that's great. But it's uh, good. That, that would be as far as whatever um, the state will let us do. That we'll be open and doing it. Okay. Yeah. If you would, um, I'll let. Uh, the organizer of the Fuller's um, trip know about that. Maybe they can um, stop in while they're over there. That'd be a perfect dovetail. Yeah, that that works well. I take a lot of people from Fuller's over to the museum and open it for them. So that's uh, that's that's a great idea. Great. It'll be wonderful because visitors will get to see um, Dorothy and Ann featured uh, in our display. So they'll see you again. Exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Ladies, thank you so much. Well, as always, we really enjoyed that, and uh, I think you get an idea of just uh, how special these ladies are and uh, the work they've accomplished and, and continue to, uh, to achieve. So uh, thank you, ladies, and thank you, listeners. Uh, welcome to our 2021 season. We'll be back again in a couple of weeks with another episode. Until then, mind your back cast.